I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to 2022. I know this isn't my first episode of 2022, but it is the first time I've hit record in this new year. And I am so honored and excited today to be sitting down for my first chat of the year with a woman who truly embodies what some of the intentions are that I'm setting out for myself for this year. I always talk about the idea of expanders. And I don't think I've discussed this yet on the show, but what I consider an expander to be is somebody who models either behaviors or patterns or whatever it may be for you that you are trying to manifest for yourself and embody for yourself. And I've been wondering uh, the last few days who I should be thinking about for my expander for the year of 2022. And I have to say that in discussing her intro just now, I'm pretty sure that I have found her and I'm thrilled because she's in my sphere. She's in my network and she's somebody who I have access to. So without further ado, today we are going to be talking to an amazing woman named Nookie. And Nookie is the founder of a website, which is both an education and a dating site called Dating Kinky obviously a site that is focused on the kink scene and kink community. But in addition to being the founder of that site, she is also an author of many different um, publications that she can maybe tell us some about. But more than that, this is why Nookie is my expander for 2022. Nookie is a hedonistic, dominant, cuckoldress, and pimptress who is polyamorous and monoromantic. And without further ado, hello, Nookie. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't know that you were my expander for 2022, did you? I did not. I I didn't either until we started talking. And then, of course, it like hit me over the head. E and I were having a cross-country road trip from Illinois back to where we live uh, over the weekend on New Year's Eve. Actually, we got stuck in a snowstorm blizzard in Nebraska and we pulled off at midnight. But right before we'd done that, I was taking some notes for both of us on our intentions for the new year. And I said, as we were kind of closing out and getting ready to stop at this La Quinta Inn where they would allow our dog to stay with us. Um, I said, I need an expander for 2022 because all these goals that I just wrote down are not going to happen on their own. (laughs) And so anyway, all of that said, Nikki, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I'm so happy to be face to face with you, even though our listeners won't get the opportunity to see us. It's my pleasure. This is, uh, this is exciting. I'm looking forward to the chat. Me too. Me too. And I I really want to understand, first of all, well, I just want you to break down your elevator pitch of who you are to me. Hedonistic, dominant, cuckoldress, pimptress, who's polyamorous and monoromantic. And the monoromantic thing, I think I know, I think I can guess based on the word <laughs> association, but um, I just want you to break all this down for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I have to say that it's, it's only been in the past year that I've really been nailing down some of these concepts um, because I feel like so on, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little segue on, on FetLife, my primary identity is kinkster mm-hmm. because as a friend of mine said, it's the closest thing to yes, I could find in the drop down box. <laughs> um, and I feel like, you know, if I put up Dom, then, you know, people would approach me as a Dom, right? If I put up cuckoldress, people would approach me as a cuckoldress yeah. and I am those things, but I'm also nookie. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, hedonistic to me, the, the representation of hedonistic in that little description is the idea that I feel like actions themselves are neither dominant nor submissive. And so when it comes to topping or bottoming or playing or whatever, it's really about what feels good, what is good, 
and um, what good I can provide to others. So that's where the hedonism comes in. Um, dominant, I tend to be both a dominant personality and I'm dominant in my um, primary relationship with my uh, partner. So what that means to me is that I make the final call right? It's not that I tell him what to do all of the time or anything like that. In fact, I, I very rarely tell, I almost always ask, but I take responsibility for guiding the relationship and navigating things for both of our benefits. Um, I'm a cuckoldress. I, um, I cuckold my pet. To me, cuckolding is a very simple concept. Um, it's where one partner is, uh, sexually controlled by the other partner and the other partner has sexual freedom. Um, so that's, it's, it's very simple to me. I don't require monogamy. I don't require loyalty. I don't require buy. I don't require fluffing. I don't require, so it, it, it's, it's very simple. One partner is sexually controlled by the other partner. The other partner is sexually free. Um, Makes it so simple. Let me just say, by the way, <laughs> it being in the community with you, that is such a simple, simple and beautiful definition and I'm hereby adopting it for myself. Thank you. Go it's, ahead. It's, it's been a journey to find that to me, the clearest and most concise version mm-hmm. that doesn't include a bunch of what I consider to be um, parallel fetishes, like chastity, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. A lot of people assume, oh, if you're a cuckold, you have to be you know, in chastity, or if you're a cuckold, you have to enjoy humiliation or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. All of those to me are parallel fetishes and they're mm-hmm. fine, Um, but they're not the core and it's not required in order to be a cuckold. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the Pinterest is that, um, both with my cuckold and with my tribe of people and with my bulls, if I really enjoy what somebody has to offer, I pimp them out like (laughs) major to my friends, to my girlfriends, to anybody. I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, like somebody says to me oh man, I'm hit, I've hit a real dry spell. And I'm like, oh, you should borrow this person. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you should talk to this person because they're really good in bed. And, you know, you, you definitely want to experience that at least once in your life or, or whatever it is. Um, so that's where the Pinterest comes in. I do that quite a bit. Plus I, I get off on owning my partner and allowing people suggesting that people make use of him Mm. um so so there's that in various ways it could be sexual or non-sexual in that it could be you know borrow him to you know cook dinner and you know serve at a you know at a dinner or whatever I, i don't know it doesn't matter um and then the polyamorous is that I love, and I, and I don't mean like platonic love, but I love what many people might think of as, you know, you get past the NRE and you have just that abiding deep love for somebody Mm -hmm. that that lasts. I love multiple people in that way. I, I, I call them family family, but it's not like a parent child relationship or a sister brother relationship, because there's also sex often Mm -hmm. involved. Um, so there's more to it than that, but it's also, and this is where the mono romantic comes in. It's also not romantic unless it's my primary partner. And to me, the difference between that love and the romance is like the Twitter patient, you know, the NRE. I really only feel like the silly part of love, the floaty part of love, the obsessive part of love, mm-hmm. the, oh my God, every time that ass walks by, I want to smack it part of love. I only feel that historically thus far in my life with one person at a time. Mm, gotcha. So that's where my, my monoromantic comes in. So I have my partner for that. And then the other people in my life have the opportunity to become very deeply like desired and wanted and loved and whatever. It's just my brain can only say, you know, this happens to one person at a time for whatever reason. Gotcha. So, and I've noticed that about myself. Yeah. 
And I love the, the term is beautiful. I, I had not heard it before, but of course, when you said it, I was like, oh, I'm curious about that one. And I'm like, but, it, but I know what it means, you know, just based yeah. on the, the, the components of the word. So awesome. Oh my gosh. So now, of course, this begs the question for me is how did you go from who you were before Nookie became Nookie <laughs> to Nookie. <laughs> and here we have you. So that could be a long and winding road and story, and I'm here for it. So I'll jump in wherever I want, but I really want to hear how Nookie became Nookie. So interestingly enough, Nookie became Nookie much, much earlier than you might think. Um, and I'm going to, I'll tell that story here in just a second, but um, I actually first realized I was slightly different, I guess. Um, before I even hit my preteens, I was ordering the children in the neighborhood around, you know, telling them to kiss each other and, you know, tell me what it was like and, and so on and so forth. So I was a little, little, little bossy and a little focused in on, I don't know, naughtiness. Um, but then when I was 14, I started what would be a, you know, ongoing tradition. And that was, I determined that I wanted every year for my birthday, at least one thing that nobody else got me. So I, I started the tradition of buying myself a birthday gift every year. Um, and that year I did what any 14 year old would do, right? I bought myself the Oxford English dictionary. <laughs> Yeah. And so being a 14 year old and my friends being primarily like 15, 16 and 17, um, what do you figure teenagers are going to do with the most comprehensive English dictionary in the world? We're going to look up all the dirty words. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we did. And um, after we got through, you know, shit and piss and fuck and, you know, like all of all of the normal ones we started like digging down into like monty python skits and you know like all of the things and eventually someone came up with the term nookie so we looked it up and at the time it hadn't been used specifically to refer to genitals um but it was referring to the active copulation the four-legged frolic the horizontal bop whatever you want to call it um but there was a historical note, and this is one of the things I love about the Oxford English Dictionary is they go through like the historical uses of the word. And in Scotland, apparently in like the 30s through the 50s, it was a slang term for an attractive woman, a sexual woman, a woman mm. you would like to do the nookie with. Aha. And thus I got my nickname. I love it. So, yeah. So that was, did you that start was using it at 14? Well, so we all had nicknames. Okay. So yeah. 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 I love it. it. Like, so, you know, like I was Nookie. Um, my very first boyfriend was, um, you know, he had a shortened version of his name as one of his nicknames. And then the other one was Igor, which was like kind of his like, um, alternate personality. Right. And then we had, you know, like, this guy, I'll call him A, you know, he was TP or trendy poser, right? Like, so we all had like our, our nicknames and like my partner, he goes backpacking and they do trail names, mm. right? So he's got like 15 different names from like all these different things. And so, so it, it was, it was pretty natural to me. Um, and I was given it and I, I didn't use it constantly, but whenever, um, when I got online, in 1994, that was one of the first things that came up to start making my usernames. Um, so, you know, it was, it was there and it was used enough that it stuck in my head. Um, and so I had my first real boyfriend at 14 and from 14 to 19, um, I sort of played around. Mm -hmm. I experimented. I had a few partners. I did, had tons and tons of women partners. Mm -hmm. um, not so many men, handful of men, a little bit more than a handful of men. Um, tried my first one night stand, thought it was okay. I mean, I orgasmed and he was a really cute Brazilian soccer player that was like, <laughs> 
going back to, back to South America the next day. So like there was no drama or anything, but I was like, you know what? This is not for me. So I decided I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a slut. Right. And then I didn't use that term in my head, but that's essentially what like, eh, you know, sleeping around is not for me. It's, yeah. you know, with dudes, especially it's about like, you know, we, we got to have a connection. Uh-huh. So at 19, I met my husband to be, we had a great sexual chemistry. I had recently discovered official kink. Um, my parents were, were swingsters. So I was going to ask you about your upbringing. So, yeah. So as swingsters, like, did you know that they were growing up? Not really. No. I mean, it was, it was really funny. So I ended up, um, I was living in New York city at the time. And this girlfriend of mine says to me, she's like, one of my girlfriends is bartending at this really weird bar down in the meatpacking district. You want to go tonight? And I'm like, I'm 19. And at the time, I think it just turned to 21 a couple of years earlier. Right. Like she's like, no, 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 we can get in. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. She's like, dress up. And I'm like, I had no idea what that meant. So I put on a mini skirt and pair of knee high leather boots and I don't know, something. And so we walk into this bar and I'm like, holy fudge buckets. Like it's dark enough that I can't actually, at least the first floor, I can't actually see the floor, but like my boots are sticking to it a little <laughs> bit when I walk. Totally. I and, and I can kind of see over in the corner, there's like a guy in a gimp suit, like kneeling down on all fours. And, and I'm like, so we go up to the second floor where her friend was at the bar and that was much better lit. <laughs> <laughs> and there were all night, there were men offering to buy me drinks, which I declined. I've never been a drinker um, and wanting to kiss my boots and do services for me. And I was like, oh, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized after, you know, like really getting involved in, you know, finding people there that like I made friends with and stuff that these were my people. These were the people I grew up around. Yeah. My parents used to go to house parties and because my dad was a professor and my mother was an artist, they didn't have a lot of money for babysitting. So I would go, they would pop me in front of the TV. And then when I fell asleep on the floor, they, you know, put me in the coat room and the adults would have their parties outside. And every once in a while I'd wander out and they'd be like, somebody get the kid a drink. And, you know, they'd get me a drink and they'd put me back to bed. And, and like, I never, it never really occurred to me that anything was weird. I was a very strange child. I'm neurodivergent. So, you know, that, that was probably working in their favor. I never took it to show and tell. Um, so after a while I was like, Oh, holy shit. These are my people. These are my parents, people that like, I grew up with a woman who wore leather and had a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Like my mother and I spent, you know, Saturday evening sometimes with our friend, Tony, who would dress up in, who was a crossdresser and who would dress up for Rocky Horror Picture Show. And like, these were my people, right? So when I met my husband, I was like, you know, out in this scene and it was very, back then it, I was, I was 19 and I was young and I didn't think anything about pretty or sexy or anything like that, but I was 19, right? Like, so <laughs> I had it going on and um, I really enjoyed that, but it was very S&M, stand and model. You know, it's like the glitterati, right? Like I was mm -hmm. there because, you know, people did nice things for me and I looked good to them, right? So they wanted to, you know, kneel at my feet, which is fine, which is fine. Um, but then my, my husband and I got together and unfortunately we started out very open and very potentially polyamorous and, you know, into, you know, the threesomes, foursomes and moresomes potentially. Mm. And it just never materialized. In fact, it went the other direction. It's like he, as he, he succumbed to some mental issues and addictions and um, his Catholic guilt mm began taking over and then even more, and this will, this will come out, come up a little bit later, even more, he started getting incredibly jealous and possessive mm -hmm. and accusing me of doing things that I never did. Like I never cheated. I needed more than, you know, that kind of relationship and, you mm -hmm. know, 
And um, so I was in, I, I found myself in an emotionally abusive relationship. And so when I extricated myself and I, I did a reading last night, um, I was a guest on dating kinky's kinky book club for the first oh. time ever, you know, I've got like <laughs> nine books or, you know, something like that kinky books and, you know, plus a whole bunch of short stories and whatever. And yeah. I was, I was our guest. Um, and I read this piece about the first time I ever tried to be sexy. Mm. I was 30 years old, no, 32 years old. Um, and it was the first time I tried to be sexy for my husband. He liked tall blondes. So I got really high heels and a long blonde wig and did like some pretty, like what I thought was sexy makeup and put on lingerie and I waited for him. And he took one look at me and left for hours. <sighs> and then when he crawled into bed, he didn't touch me. And then the next day he screamed at me for dressing up like a whore and how could I think that he would like this and you know I'm pathetic and unlovable and you know whatever 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 hmm. two years later I left him um, wow and so that was when I started saying I spent a year sort of trying to figure out what went wrong not just the mental aspects of what he was going through, because it was not entirely his fault. He had a mental challenge that he needed to, to work through, and he wasn't. Instead, he, he turned towards addictions, which, again, I don't think that was his fault. It, was, it ran in his family. But fault or not, I was not going to deal with that in my life. It right? doesn't become your responsibility. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but what was my responsibility is thinking about, well, holy hell. Um, if he had this mental issue, this mental challenge, um, that was not diagnosed, what don't I know about myself? Right. And how much of that was my fault? Um, and it, I, I, I'll admit, I started out very much from the victim side of things at the mm -hmm. beginning, you know, like how much was my fault? Because he told me a lot of this was my fault and I need to, you know, I need to fix these things. By the end of a year in which I didn't really go anywhere or do anything with any humans, I just, my dogs, my work and my walking all over the place. I walked everywhere. Mm. Um, I found out that I'm neurodivergent. Uh, I don't have empathy in the way normal people do. So I'm on the, the psychopathic scale, mm. um, essentially, which told me a lot about like how I tend to not be aware of what's going on around me, how I was gorgeous at 19, like model fucking gorgeous at 19 and had no clue, right? Mm. Just none, not yeah. the slightest. Um, but during that year, I started writing erotica because I wanted to get in touch with my sexuality. I wanted to go back to, you know, my, my, my 14 year old self and enjoy the sex, the joy of sex that I had with my first boyfriend. I wanted to explore those years. I wanted to um, think about the, the, the early years with, with my ex-husband um, and what brought me joy then. And so I started writing erotica. And at the time it was mostly heteronormative sort of romantic erotica. And I still love all of that stuff. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Um, they're still fucking hot. <laughs> and if anybody really wants to check it out, literotica.com. Um, if you look up Nookie Notes, I've still got some really high-rated erotica in there. Just maybe, I don't know, seven or eight stories. But I'll make um, sure to put a little link in here for people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I started doing that. And I met another partner who was more aligned with me and into kink. And he and I started, again, with the open relationship and sort of like a uh, I, I tried, I was a switch at the time. I tried to be submissive because I figured my mom told me I could be anything I wanted to be. And as a hedonist, I figured a switch has like the best of all worlds, right? You can do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not a switch because I can't be submissive <laughs> to save my life. I tried though <laughs> for like four years. I tried and I love this guy. He's like a wonderful guy. Um, but it also ended up that his version of polyamory or whatever was a very one penis policy and it became very possessive and jealous and so on and so forth around the end and I said okay this is not for me 
and you know send him back to where he needed to be and to be fair that was exactly what he needed because he found the love of his life and he's you know having babies and it's wonderful for them so yay um and then not long after that i went i'd, I'd been spending time at a local femdom event on I, I would go two hours each direction on one weekend a month to this femdom event I went to this one and I met my partner, my current partner. And that is when things really started opening up. You, you mentioned an expander. Mm -hmm. I think of my, my pet, my partner, my lover, I think of him as a catalyst. Mm. Um, and I believe that he is this for, for beyond myself, but, and for many reasons, um, but, you know, he, when he and I met, it was just like immediate sparks. I tried to deny it. Like I tried to play it cool. And then six months later, I went and I looked at the notes I sent to him and I'm like, holy fuck, I was being a slut. Um, <laughs> but I thought I was all like, you know, no, 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 no. Well, we'll just take it slow. And I'm like, here's my number. Why don't you text me? Here's like, <laughs> why don't I read you erotica over the phone? Right. Like, and I, I told him, I'm like, I don't know what I was typing to you, but it wasn't that. Yeah. Something else happened between my brain and my fingers on the keyboard. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but he and I really connected. We agreed on a lot of kinky things. We agreed on the ideas of um, sexuality and, and, and so on and so forth. But... And you could probably guess what's coming. So he had this thing about cuckolding. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned this to me, like, no, 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 I'll, I'll be, I'll be loyal to you. And um, you get to have sex with anyone you want. So the first thing I thought is, holy fuck, this is a trap. <laughs> right. Because right. In both of my other long-term relationships had been all like, yeah, you know, let's do the poly thing. And then like, you're a slut because, you know, men like you and whatever it is. So my partner was my 10th, 10th partner, male partner. Okay. Um, I'd only, I'd had many, many women up to that point. I'd slutted around with women, but not so much with men. And, and so the, the other thing was, holy hell, this is a trap and fuck, I, I don't know if I want the dick that badly. Mm. <laughs> Fair, um, but you could cuckold and, them with women. I, well, and I could, I could, but his thing was, was very, you know, kind of queen of spades oriented and so on and so forth. Yeah. And yeah. one of the reasons we really connected is because, you know, I, at the party, I was talking about a friend of mine who was really interested in, who was little teeny tiny five foot two blonde Southern girl mm -hmm. who was really interested in experiencing that walk on the wild side. And I just happened to know a couple of really awesome studs who were, you know, open to such things and I was making it happen. And my pet to be was like sitting at my feet going, oh, oh, this you. is so hot. <laughs> um, and my ex-husband uh, was also a man of color. So, you know, there's, there's history there, you know, and, um, but he said to me, he says, you know, we have amazing sex, the best sex I've ever had we don't have to do this. We can just, you know, if you'll fantasize about it with me, that's more than anybody's ever done. I'm like, sure, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, six months later, I surprised <laughs> cuckold at him, which was a whole, <laughs> a whole thing. I don't, I don't ever recommend surprise cuckolding anybody, but I did it. And um, for some, and it's a huge it. fantasy. It's a real fantasy oh, for yeah. some cucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. But see, the thing is, is like, we both knew that this was a fantasy, right? Like he'd never actually gone through it. Mm -hmm. He'd never actually seen the woman he loved having sex with another man. And, you know, like he'd never actually like fantasy versus reality. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to hate this. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause like this guy's really hot, but I don't know how I'd feel about having sex with another man while I'm in love with this one. Like that, mm -hmm. that, and I, I realized that it's not a problem that 
for me, and and I know I know that you and and Scarlett do the Slut Sisters thing. So that's you know, for me, the thing that I thought was interesting is being in this relationship is the home base that I need for mm-hmm. my psychology to be like, well, holy hell, I can fuck anybody now. Right. <laughs> it's so it makes me <laughs> feel safe. Yeah. When I'm single, I'm like, eh, you know, not until I know people a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Every, every person approaches it also differently. And that, that's what I love. I was actually going to ask you, cause you've floated the word slut out there a few times. And sometimes it's like, it's got a little tinge of like, mm-hmm. Um, some judgment around it. And then other times it's, it's flowed a little more freely. So I'm really curious about, I mean, do you have a relationship with that word? How do you feel about it? So when it has the judgment around it, um, I'm using it in the way it was cast towards me to, yeah, perfect. You know, versus Mm -hmm. when I say, you know, now I go and I slut it up. It's that's how I use the word, you know? So it's, it, it can definitely be a double-edged sword um, in my history, Absolutely. but in my present, it's, it's a very positive thing. But it, the, the, and, and that leads me directly into a concept that I sort of explored last night when we were talking about this history and then my erotica writing and then writing nonfiction books for kink and, and doing the dating kinky thing and all of the, um, you know, educational events is, you know, what I went through right during what could have been some of the most formative sexual years of my life. I spent 11 years with my ex-husband. Mm. So, well, 15 years total. I married him for 11 years. Um, but during those 15 years, which was, you know, almost half of my life by the time I, I left him, um, I didn't get to grow in my sexuality. Mm. And so when I finally did blossom and take control of my sexual pleasure and it get to embrace the kink with uh, the appropriate partner and so on and so forth, that made me incredibly passionate about educating people, not just bringing people together, because of course I've got a dating site, but also writing about it. I write blogs Monday through Friday. I have three podcasts a week, um, well, four now, which includes a throwback Thursday. Um, We do 12 to 16 free educationals every month on different topics. Um, We have over 500 hours of kinky content. All of these things come directly out of my drive to help people reach whatever levels of self-realization and kink and sexual satisfaction and romantic compatibility Mm. that they are looking for in their lives so beautiful i've got it it's fucking amazing yeah you want to spread that and share it and i think that is a huge, I mean, it's, it's a huge motivator for me too. And having these conversations, just opening up different types of journeys and, you know, whether you were raised conservatively or whether you had amazing parents that were able to model, model a little bit more of the kinkier side of life for you. I mean, I think that everybody's journey is just so different, but what we haven't done well as a society is open it up and talk about it and just create n- n- to normalize, you know, kink and fetish and whatever all of that is. And so I was going to ask, you know, w- when dating kinky was born, how did, I mean, did you conceive of it being what it is now? No, no. I mean, so over the years, I started online in 1994. Okay. And I immediately started exploring like the message boards. So AOL, Prodigy, CompuServe, Alt.net, like the BBSs and so on and so forth. And so I led kind of a a double life online. Like I spent a lot of time reading and learning on like the kink forums and so on and so forth. But I was also married Mm -hmm. and um, well, about to be married at that point. And um, So I also was running a business online 
Um, I, for, <laughs> for 10 years, I taught fashion design and sewing um, on the <laughs> I internet. I was telling Yeah, you as far as anyone knows, I was the first person to ever teach sewing online. Um, so <laughs> I, you know, so that was like kind of two sides. I spent a lot of my life online. And um, when my ex-husband and I split up, I, I did online dating and I enjoyed that. And I was also really, really curious about and dug deep into and got involved with the um, online pickup artist community. Hmm. And um, I went to a, what I call a pickup artist adjacent um, like it was sort of like a precursor to like men's power type of convention. It's like encouraging men to step into their authentic dominant selves for better sex. Okay. Um, and I still, I love, I'm still on those forums. Like we, the rehabilitating incels has been like a hobby for me for years, um, or incel adjacent at least. Uh-huh. And, uh, I went to one of those things and I ended up being like one of two women uh, out of like 700 men. Right. You know, like this, this is right. And, uh, I met a friend of mine there, um, Mark, who is the renegade hypnotist. He hypnotized me on stage in front of hundreds of men, um, to have an orgasm. Wow. And once I realized once my brain made the connection that you can have an orgasm without touching yourself. Yeah. All of a sudden, a whole world of orgasmic possibilities opened up and I went into multiples and I started studying orgasms and I started studying how they work and I started studying um, how to layer them and how to create, you know, different feelings for orgasms. And I ended up writing a book about it. Uh, welcome to or um, welcome to O-Town. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of like, that's one of the, the, the topics I'm going to be teaching at the event that you're going to be awesome. um, teaching at, uh, sex, sensuality, sex, and orgasms is I'll be talking about, you know, the, um, the parts of an orgasm and how do they work and what are the different types of orgasms we can have and how can we layer them? And then also, interestingly enough, at that same event, I specifically asked somebody to teach um orgasm through hypnosis or guided meditation mm. so that you know we're we're pulling it all together the mind and the body the the physical techniques and the mental techniques um but learning all about how humans interact <clears throat> during that year i read like 500 books on love sex psychology romance whatever trying like, because I didn't have the same empathy that other people were born with. So I felt like I had to learn how to be human. Mm. <laughs> and so I focused in on the human parts that I thought were really interesting, which were love, sex, romance, and kink. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm much better at that kind of human part than the other stuff, but the other stuff doesn't seem to matter. So much. <laughs> hey, we all have our gifts. <laughs> we can gravitate toward them. Somebody, that's the beautiful thing about polyamory, right? Is that you'll have, you know, if you have a, a community mm -hmm. enough, you know, different people are filling different needs and, and things 100%. like that. Yeah. 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 So in your current life, obviously you've mentioned your pet and he is your mono romantic partner. Um, and yeah. then do you have also like a, a a community of, of folks that are in your poly world um, and what kind of term, there's so much terminology in poly that I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to leave it to you to define for, for your guys's, for, for your own groups kind of dynamics there. But what does that look like for you guys? So um, he and I are, like I said, they're, they're primaries. He's my cuckold. He's my submissive. Um, he's my hoe. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you're his mainstream. <laughs> um, and then we have a tribe of people who um, have been playmates and that have just essentially stuck around for enough years that they're core. Yeah. Um, and that's two other women and a man. And then we have like sort of a, a wider circle of playmates or date mates. 
um, that we explore playing with here and there, like he will be in service. Like he's never, he's never allowed. And this is by his request. It's not something that I, I said, but he is in many ways a cuckold. So mm -hmm. it's his request. He's never allowed to come with anyone else or to have orgasms, but he is allowed to serve. Mm -hmm. So orally, um, mm -hmm. he does a sensual massage, pedendal mm -hmm. massages, which include the entire pedendal nervous system from um, front to back and pleasure. I like, don't know the pedendal nervous system. Did. Tell us more. So um, it, the pedendal nervous, so it used to be called, we used to call it, his nickname is Puck. We used to call it Puck's Pussy Massage, mm -hmm. but it works just as well on penis havers. And it also includes like the buttocks and the anal area as well. And that entire system down there is serviced by the pedendal nerve. Okay. So it's the pedendal massage and it includes, you know, sensual massage sort of in and around the area and, you know, relaxing you and so on and so forth. And then it's not so relaxing until the end when you're drained. But right. <laughs> um, so I, I pimp him out for that. And then in addition to our, our kind of core group of playmates who are like, you know, friends and lovers and stuff, we also have um, coming in and out of our lives, bullfriends. Mm -hmm. um, which is which a term always, that I love for you, that you, I've never yeah. heard anybody use it, but you, and now I'm starting to hear it more, but I think Scarlett you made it up. and I are working on a project that is called, it's bullfriend.life. Um, and I, I've, I've always felt a little awkward with the term bull mm -hmm. um it's objectifying it's yeah. dehumanizing but the, the problem is is that people understand it right if you're in this community and you say bull people know what you're talking about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i prefer like once the first fuck is over i prefer liking the people if i'm going to you know have sex with them again so bullfriend yeah um so that's, and then we've got our wider community, which are like, you know, our kinkster friends and the people we can, you know, flirt with and chat with. And maybe we play at an event, but we don't necessarily like look for dates to play with them and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so that's kind of what it looks like. It's none of it is very neat or clear or anything except us, really. It's yeah. just, it's kind of like, a fungus you know they've like <laughs> the mycelium they've just network. eventually grown on us yeah <laughs> and um yeah yeah and it's, it's it's a great life you know there's there's a lot of challenges as I'm sure you might expect with you know this person wants more this person needs that or yeah. or whatever but um for the most part we're able to navigate it and you know have these amazing connections in our life and feel like we're not doing harm and harm is not being done to us while there's exponential increases in, you know, potential pleasure and connection and love and friendship and whatever. Yeah. So you just mentioned challenges. And that is one thing that I am pretty big on talking about and bringing to light within these explorations, because I do think largely that it's it's oftentimes in these types of communities that people don't want to focus on that because they don't you know it's already hard enough to be a kingster or it's hard enough to have a non-normative relationship life and so the more we focus on some of the things that are difficult we, we, we don't want to bring any bad press to it but but I do believe it's really important just like normalizing postpartum depression for women after birth, right? It's, I think, really important to talk about this type of stuff. So I, I guess I'm just kind of curious to the extent you care to share. I mean, obviously personal dynamics are, you know, need, need their boundaries and need to be respected, but what are some of the kind of challenges that either you have seen so much of within the community or even experienced yourself, if you're comfortable or willing to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll share a couple examples, um, in cuckolding specifically, for example, um, most people, uh, in kink tend to be night owls and I am not, mm. I am an early bird. So oftentimes after a particularly strenuous session, 
um, and then wings and pizza to, <laughs> you know, fill me up. I'm dead to the world. Like I am gone. Like I am asleep. I need to recharge. Um, and that used to that, that several times in our early days, um, caused some strain because after the bullfriend, it was Cuck's turn. Yeah. Right. To be petted and to yeah. relive and to rebond. Reconnecting and, and aftercare. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, just the idea of it can't happen immediately. It will happen, you know, within the next 24 hours or the next 48 hours. That was a shift that needed to be made. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so that was one challenge. Like that was an early one. Like, yeah, holy fuck, who'd have thought, right? Like right. that that was going to be a thing. Yeah. But then there's also been things like, um, so my partner uh, was courting, for lack of a better term, an impact top. Um, very, very wonderful woman, local, solo poly, you know, whatever, have no problems with her, have no problems with him courting her. They were planning scenes. It was great. We went to this event, mm. um, big event, a couple hundred people. And uh, we, he and I were there together. She was also there. So was a couple that we call the sex twins um, who we have played with and they were there with a third of their own and then some other, you know, just, it was, there were a lot of people there Big network. Yeah. and throughout the day, because it was in, t- I think we got there at 11 and we left at like 9 PM. It was a full day event. Plus there was camping afterwards if you stayed. Um, and this is, this is an amazing event. It's a hunt. Hmm. So like prey runs out into the woods and then <laughs> the hunters go after them with paintball guns. Oh my God. And each person you get, you get a bounty from them and then they get put up on the pole with, you know, their, their hard limits on a card and they stay on the pole until the next heat. So like, this is a big, big deal. It's like There's a like primal play. Like, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's crazy, crazy fun and so much social stuff and whatever. And um, so we were there all day and there were a couple of times during the day that like, I literally would walk up to him and I'd poke him and I'd be like, pay me some attention, Mm. you know? And I didn't say it exactly that way, but, you know, after we got home that evening, as we were laying in bed, I'm like, just so you know, this is how I'd like things to move forward, you know, in the future. And he's like, I didn't even notice. And I'm like, I know, you know, you were wrapped up in like talking with her and, you know, being around all of our friends. And, you know, this was like fucking playground for kinky adults, right? Mm -hmm. Just remember, you know. Right here, yeah. Right here. And um, what's interesting is that at that same event, our friends were having a similar issue um, with their third. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was the, that was the end. Like that was just too much. That was the straw that broke the camel's back, whatever. So for me, it was a point to note and communicate about mm-hmm. for them, I believe um, and I've seen this happen before little things like that had built up and they'd sort of let it slide in order to be, you know, cool mm-hmm. and, you know, poly positive. But when it got to that point, there was no way to talk back down from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. the communication hadn't been in there and all the little tiny things. So this thing became a huge thing. Gotcha. Right. And those are the types of things that I see a lot in every relationship is yeah. I'm not going to say this now because it's not that big a deal, but then you do that 20 times and the next, not that big a deal is yeah. a huge fucking deal. Cause yeah. all of these other things that have piled up over the past couple of weeks or months or whatever, the micro so, have turned into the macro at that point. Yeah. And those are the challenges because I tend to be a very communicative person However, and another friend was talking to me about this yesterday, her partner in Polly is kind of reticent to talk about his other partners. Mm-hmm. So like, he'll say, oh yeah, you know, Scott and I went out to lunch the other day, da, 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 da. and then about his other partners, he'll be like, yeah, you know, I went out to lunch. <laughs> and she's like, and? you know, 
I know that you went with somebody when you don't use their names, right? Like, you know, I know. Right. Um, but humans are often trained to not talk about stuff like that, right? Because right. it'll start a fight or it'll make people upset with them or whatever. And so we have to give communication a chance to form within the relationship mm -hmm. um, to loosen up like if you've been if you've ever been in a relationship where somebody gets pissed at you every time you say something you stop fucking saying it <laughs> right because right. you don't want to have that argument no and then in your next relationship it's really hard to start saying it again because you right. have been right. trained behavior modification is one of my kinks i like to use it positively but that's one of the ways that we negatively in you know affect totally. people's behavior Totally. And we do it to each other, right? Like somebody says, oh, you know, I really didn't like the way that thing went down. And you're like, what do you mean you didn't like? Da -da 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 -da. And you have just punished them for, for speaking up yeah. instead of saying, thank you for telling me I need a few minutes because that was really hurtful. Yeah. Right. And I need to figure out how to respond. So yeah, challenges. And usually challenges in communication are like exactly the same. Go hand thing. in hand. I, you are with speaking. A, with an addition of expectation on top of it. <laughs> yes. I love that you just added that. These are super <laughs> relevant conversations that E and I have been having lately um, because, you know, every every relationship dynamic shifts a little bit and you have to kind of pick things up. And so, you know, we are exploring some new things and we are exploring how we, you know, kind of open up in a, in a little bit different of a way, aside from what we've traditionally done with cuckolding. And it is, it is really challenging. I'm seeing my glaring errors. I'm sure he's seeing his, we both see yeah. each other's. <laughs> We're really good at finger pointing and seeing the other person's. But, you know, I'm learning about myself that if something feels awkward or uncomfortable to me, I'm avoidant. And he's like, that feels really terrible to me. When you avoid anything that feels like yeah. abandonment and feels really like you're hiding things. Um, and so it's like, we're learning all these new pieces of communication that we need to have because we talk a ton all the time. It feels like we're connecting in conversation, but when we're not talking about the things we really need to be talking about, then communication has fallen off the rails. And I couldn't agree with you more that like most of the time, the difficulties can be handled with good communication and probably also a conversation around expectations and boundaries and, you know, honoring each other oh, and all of that. I'm working. Have I told you that I'm working on a book about boundaries right now? Oh, I don't because think so. Boundaries are like my fucking soapbox. <laughs> like like I, I've, I've over the past several years really been focusing in on boundaries and doing research. And I wrote a six part series about the six different types of personal boundaries. And each, each part has like, this is what this personal boundary looks like when it's healthy. This is what it looks like when it's unhealthy. And here are like 20 to 30 questions you can ask yourself or a partner about mm. this, this type of boundary. And, um, I firmly believe that if humans were taught how to have, how to create and maintain healthy mm -hmm. boundaries, mm -hmm. so much pain would be avoided. Like yeah. people, people online, and I wrote about this uh, some time ago, but people online, like on Facebook, you'll see those people who are like, um, people who talk about like narcissistic exes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first of all, A, I really hate that because, you know, I'm, I'm a psychopath, like, you know, so the idea of like, you know, using actual weaponizing like, language, yeah, like weaponizing psychology language against others, yeah, diagnoses. And then the second part is, you're not a psychiatrist, you're not a psychologist, what, you're just, you're just talking about an asshole, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, but with good, healthy boundaries, if you think about it, if you have healthy personal boundaries and you maintain them, then you're never going to know if that person's even an asshole. Because right. as soon as they cross one of your boundaries, you're going to say, ah, you know, you crossed a boundary. Let's take a step back. They don't take a step back and you're like, bye-bye. Mm -hmm. We're not a match. We're not compatible. 
right. right? You don't get to find out if they love bomb you and then abuse you. And, and I know this from my own, right? Looking sure. back over my own experience, sure. like if I had set my boundaries, if I had the first time he took money out of my wallet, if I had said, that's it, I wouldn't have lost thousands of dollars right. with him stealing from me. So that's what I meant to circle back to that when I took that year to look over what were the parts that were my responsibility? Yeah, It was his fault. He was to blame for taking that money. I let myself down and failed to maintain personal boundaries by not stopping him the first time, yeah. right? So thinking that through, that's like, that's my big... For 2022, I'm going to get that boundaries book out there and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I've got the, the outline nearly done. Um, and it's going to be called uh, Boundaries or Sexy AF. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because I also believe that a person with good, healthy boundaries who can maintain them, they maintain their power. Yeah. And it's that power and authenticity that we tend to be very attracted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like we could keep talking <laughs> for a really long time because I have like four questions I want to ask. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to save that for when the boundary book comes out. We're, we're going <laughs> to we're going to have another conversation at that point. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Nikki, it has been so much fun to chat with you. But before we before we break, um, is there anything else that people need to know about what's on the horizon for dating kinky? Um, and let's make sure I will make sure it goes in the show notes too, but where can people find you all of that good stuff? Um, so, uh, what's on the horizon for dating kinky. We just got our mobile apps out and we're working on phase two, which will include, uh, audio and video chatting. So super excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, uh, we just recently crossed over 500 hours of kinky learning content in our library. So we're I've super been digging into it. Yes. Um, and then for things that you're going to be digging into, um, you know, you and I are, yeah. are working on a shame project and to, you know, sort of introduce that, you know, we've got, uh, sensuality, sex, and orgasms coming up and you can mm -hmm. find out about that at sensuality, sex, and orgasms.info. And you will be doing, um, how to talk about sex without shame. So I'm yeah. super thrilled about that. Mm -hmm. Um, that's coming up February 4th through 6th. Yep. Um, so that's coming up really quickly. It's coming up really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's super exciting and also kind of scary. Um, and then sometime by the end of this month, end of January, 2022, uh, we'll also be releasing uh, learn to love anal.com, mm. which is um, my big book of ass and a step-by-step -step how to experience safe, sane and pain-free anal. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes audio um, encounters for couples or singles. So you put on the audio and it walks you through that particular step in either a masculine or a feminine voice. We have two different how People cool doing it so, how cool so if like if you're doing it alone and you're like i'm feeling like i'd like to listen to a girl right now but then you and your cuck do it and you know the man has that deep you know kind of bullish voice right mm -hmm. you know so like there's there's both sides of that and that's something that we're going to be releasing and that's going to be at learn to love anal.com there's bullfriend.life which scarlett and i are working on right now it's um essentially an email about things that are happening in the cuckolding world but um, we've got a sort of like a class um, that we're working on revamping that I taught for years and that Scarlett is going to bring her own brand of, you know, happiness and joy to. Mm -hmm. And um, that's going to be for cuckolds, cuckoldresses. And then we've actually got a, a bullfriend of mine um, we're talking to about doing a specific section just for the bullfriends who want to learn more about what cuckolding is and what the, the bullfriend life, not just cuckolding, but stag and vixen or hot wifing mm -hmm. or, you mm -hmm. know, pimping with, you know, the, the masculine presenter pimping out the, the woman. Um, so yeah, that's, and then of course, you know, there's always a million things to do with dating kinky. <laughs> and if you want to find me, you can find me at m.datingkinky.com. That's where you can 
download our apps. It's also where there's a contact that goes directly to me. You can send me a um, video or audio email or just send us a, a basic email. Uh, find me on FetLife as Nookie Notes. Yeah, pretty much cool. Up. Awesome. Uh, I, I don't have anything really going on. I mean, you have a million really good things going on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, what a pleasure this has been. Thank you so much for Likewise. being here today. And we will absolutely have to do this again next time. There's another 100%. million things. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Nookie. Thanks for listening and excited to be with you all again soon. Thank you so much. Bye.